You're listening to Through Help and Back. Through Help and Back is a podcast focused on mental health, addiction, treatment, recovery, and all things related to personal improvement and wellness. Don't worry, we're not here to talk about problems without solutions, and we're definitely not here to talk about struggles without success. So come with your problems, leave with our solutions. One of the topics that we've talked a lot about on the show is an idea of what holistic healing can look like, right? And so what we talked about previously is the field seems to be kind of divided or evolving between sort of traditional approaches to care in terms of talk therapy and psychiatric services and things like that, which we would call evidence-based practice. But then there's this whole other world of what I call practice-based evidence of things that just work, um, that are out there, that are technique-driven, that are intervention-driven. Um, and so we have an expert in both of those worlds with us today. Uh, Grace Mackey is a licensed professional counselor. Uh, like I said, she has lived in both of those worlds as a professional therapist and somebody who is dealing with holistic psychotherapy, which is a mouthful. Um, and I know a little bit about, but she knows a lot about it. And I'm excited to learn more. So Grace, thank you so much for, for being here today. Thank you for having me. Well, and I can get there because of the experiences I've had with anxiety because I had no real pain, but was experiencing real pain. I had no pathological, biological thing to point to that said, this is why you feel like you can't breathe, or this is why you feel like you're going to die, or this is why you feel that, but yet it was a real experience, you know? And so it's sort of easy for me to understand in reverse, you know, because in the absence of it, it created it. And if anybody told me in that moment, like, no, you're not really feeling anything. It's all in your head. It's like, yeah, and I'm feeling everything, you know, as a matter of fact, I'm feeling more than everything. And that's what's really uncomfortable. I'm feeling things that aren't here, you know, um, and the searching for a source was the part of the distress, right? I would have loved to, I mean, this is going to sound ridiculous, but I would love to learn that I had a respiratory condition because then at least I had an answer as to why it was happening. You know, when you probably needed the help the most, you felt least allowed to reach out and like connect. And you said, it's only when I felt better that then I felt more comfortable to share I don't know, that just kind of hit my heart a little bit because it's like, okay, it's almost like you had to earn your way to the help, right? Like once I'm functional, then I'm okay telling people how I wasn't functional. Um, is that is that a grace thing or is that is that kind of come hand in hand with chronic pain management? Do you see that a lot or is that or is that sort of you? I think it's both. I think it's definitely an element of me of needing to to earn that need to prove that I can do it and I'm okay, that I can I can make it work or I can I can heal. Right. Because there is, even though I knew I was struggling and, and it wasn't just, you know, all in my head, there's still this element of like, well, what's wrong with me that this is happening? Right. Am I so super sensitive? I can't handle anything in life that, you know, every little thing throws me off and lands me in bed. It just feels like I'm, you know, there's something literally wrong with you. So, yeah, that's definitely partially me. And yeah, I see that for sure with people that. Um, it's scary to share when you don't know already how to verbalize it. You don't know how to verbalize what's happening. So then how do you share it? If you exist on the edge of that window of tolerance and then something seemingly minor to somebody else happens, it pushes you outside of that zone. And then you, you have a trauma, you have something that might as well have been, you know, one of those big sort of events. And I think that's an important point of clarification because sometimes people try to rank their pain and like, is this bad enough for me to be struggling with? People have different size windows and maybe yours is naturally smaller 
I don't know. I mean, there are people with heightened sensitivities, but I also think about trauma because you'd mentioned something happening in high school and then again after grad school. And so I wonder if your window didn't change shape over time. What do you what do you think about that theory? Like maybe you started with a really big bay window of tolerance and then something happens and it gets smaller and it's small. And now you've got like this little little porthole on the side of a ship. You know, I don't know. Like is is that is that um am I am I on the track there, you think maybe? Definitely. Yeah, that's that's accurate. Originally, yes, I've always been actually as a kid, I um was very sensitive to even um like I know now I'm more of that HSP highly sensitive person. Um, as a kid, it was more just like grace is a little bit more difficult. Like um, the, the inseam in your socks at the top where the toes are, that would, I couldn't handle that. My mom had to cut that out or like the tag in your shirt. I couldn't handle the tag or like wet hair would drive me nuts. And I was super sensitive to a lot of things. And so I look back at that and realize, okay, that was, I mean, that was early on. Right. And then I have other things that happen throughout life. And yeah, totally. It shrinks that that window for sure. We are now sock siblings forever because I, my entire life, have worn my socks inside out so that the seam really? would be on the outside. Yes, my entire life. Um, and actually, to this day, when I go to the gym, and this part's probably kind of gross, but like I won't wear socks. I wash my shoes all the time because I would rather feel my shoes than to feel that. It's that seam. It's that evil seam right there at the front. And if it doesn't lay just perfectly, it just, it distracts from the whole thing. Um, so there you go. We've, we have a business idea, Grace, you and I are going to sell inside out socks. If the bottom's inside out and the top looks like a normal sock, I think we've got a winner. You know, we can, we can tap into that market. So yeah. So if you steal that, give me a percentage or something. So, um, you'd mentioned earlier and I, we really want to focus and I appreciate all the background and I really appreciate you sharing the individual experience because I really think that that's one of the more compelling things about your story is you're a traditional helper. You're a new holistic helper. Oh, by the way, I also have a vast amount of personal experience with this. So you've really hit the trifecta in terms of expertise here and, and perspective. I mean, I think you have a very unique perspective because of that. But what was also great about your story too, is you're now the expert. You've got a degree you're probably licensed or at least seeking licensure at that time. You know, I'm guessing com compiling experiential hours under supervision and things like that. And you had your own personal stuff that kind of flooded. Um, so I love that too, because I went through a little bit of that myself where it's like, hey, dude, you're supposed to be the expert in this. And now you're struggling from the very thing that you're supposed to be helping other people with. So you made a comment earlier about when the, the nervous system gets out of whack and you said, but we, but luckily we can work on that. So take me through, I know every client is different to a certain degree, but take me through some of the standard steps or what happens when it's time to start working on that. What does that look like? So first part of it, which is a very major part, is awareness, psychoeducation. I mean, more than honestly, probably anything that I've worked with, we have to understand what's going on. I take you through the nervous system and really learning not only just what it means, like I, I briefly described here. But what does it mean for you? What does your nervous system look like, right? What are your signals when you're in that red zone or that yellow zone or green zone? We have this red, yellow, green. What does that look like so that you can understand more of how your body works, your mind works to then help yourself? And so um, that helping yourself looks like learning tools that are we call bottom up and top down. And so what I mean by that is bottom up is a little bit more like body based somatics, if you will. And what that means is really learning how <clears throat> I like to say, speak the language of your body, 
And the language of our body is very different than our mind. So our bodies don't, are, um, they usually talk to us a lot quicker sometimes than our minds do. We're just not aware of it. So the more that we can pay attention and recognize what that looks like or what that feels like, meaning um, sometimes it literally looks like being able to sit and breathe and tune in to what happens when you have anxiety, right? Sometimes that's anxiousness in the chest. Sometimes that's an upset stomach. Um, what happens when you feel heaviness versus lightness and so some somatic practices for nervous system regulation um, sometimes look like some very simple like yoga therapy poses if you will Um, some of that looks like shaking out the body Um, I don't know if some people have seen like shaking videos online of like practitioner shaking because that's a way to actually help your body move through the fight, flight, or freeze process. So like, so, so like when there's like electric, when there's like electrical shocks, I mean, is that like when you feel the shocks in your fingers or your toes, like actually trying to like whip those, those out a little bit. So is, if I hear you right, is the, is the hypothesis there that basically, we have this pain that's developed internally, psychologically or physically. It could be from an original injury or it can be from original trauma, just something that has signaled danger to the body. And then essentially the body or the mind tells itself a story about where that pain needs to go or where they're getting that pain from. Like, do they misinterpret where they're receiving the pain from or they just sort of assign it to that defect because that's a nice convenient, understandable place to go. Because either way, I think what you're saying is, is that a lot of the pain experience has, is rooted in the story we tell ourselves about the pain and instead of the biological basis. Am I on the right track? Clean it up for me. Am I close? Yeah. Or maybe it receives a one out of 10 pain signal from the back, which the mind then elevates to a seven out of 10 because of the other stuff that it's loading onto that message. Um, since we already have existing pain, yeah, we have a place to put that. Uh, that's terrifying. I mean, it's a terrifying, it's an amazing and terrifying thought that your, your brain could literally create that reality for you. Yeah. So movement for the body is super important. Cause if you think about it, like we're, we're stagnant a lot, right? And when we're stuck in our nervous system, literally the body is stuck. So sometimes if we actually move the body it can facilitate some of that healing. So Um, if you even, I don't remember what exactly I Googled, but if you literally Google online animal working through stress response, you'll see where, um, an animal might be attacked by some, another animal or something like that and went through a trauma, if you will. And they'll lay down, they'll get up and they'll literally shake their body and then move on with the day. That's our primal instinct to shake out that energy, that trauma, and then go on. But we haven't ever really learned to do that. So, um, that's what I mean by bottom up, body up, body first. And then the top down principles are the brain training. So really changing the way that our brain sends danger signals to the body. And sometimes that literally looks like talking to ourselves a little bit differently. Um, there are meditations that are very specific in terms of there's one that's literally called calming the amygdala in your brain. So like imagining, visioning your amygdala, calming down. So that it doesn't send those danger signals to your body. Um, those are just a few examples, and I know it sa- sometimes it sounds a little abstract because I can't do them with you right now. But um, there's both. No, I, I think we get it. It's interesting. The shaking. I was sitting there. I'm, I'm always kind of curious about the origin of language and idioms. I'm wondering, like, is, is that where "shake it off" actually comes from? You know, I don't know. I don't know if we have that answer, but 
you know, animals have been doing that for a lot longer than we've been describing it, I'm sure. So before we go on, I want to say a few words about a new behavioral health. A new behavioral health is an outpatient provider of mental health and substance abuse services in Ohio and New Hampshire. That means that a new can successfully treat mental health and substance abuse issues or dual diagnosis if you're struggling with both. Their integrated approach allows for them to successfully address issues related to anxiety, depression, addiction, trauma, and really anything that stands between your life and the life you could be living. You really cannot bring them an issue that they have not successfully treated. They have also solved one of the biggest problems for people seeking help. They have a dedicated team waiting to hear from you at helpnow at anewbh.com. If you contact them today, within 24 hours, you will have heard back from, wait for this, a real live person, and will also have your first appointment scheduled at that time. So how do you contact them? Well, if you're in Ohio or New Hampshire, you're probably close to one of their local locations. You're welcome to go in. If not, you can always reach them online at anewbh.com. And if you're interested in services for you or loved one, use that address, helpnow at anewbh.com. So typical, typical client comes in to you and they are anxiety-based, I'm guessing, probably not so much in terms of depressive because that's underactivity and you're dealing with overactivity and maybe or maybe not chronic stimulation or, or do you get a mixture? There's a mixture of a lot of anxiety for sure, probably more, but there's definitely depression there, especially just because of if you've been dealing with it for a long time eventually you're just going to get stuck and depressed and hopeless. There's a lot of hopelessness. Learned helplessness for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes sense. Just say you're tired or just say you're not feeling well or just make an excuse to not participate in life. And yeah, because I, I run into that a lot with folks who'll come into to our practice and they'll talk about part of what what held them back from getting help was the skepticism they got in their day-to-day -day life where people would label them a drama queen or they would say they're just being dramatic or they're faking it for attention or, you know, you're watching too much TV or you're on the internet too much. You know, you're just picking those words up off the internet. That's not really true, you know? And I just think that's, I just think it's terrible, right? Somebody with a, an injured ankle, nobody goes, you're faking it. They go, oh, go see a doctor. You've got something going on with your ankle, right? So again, that division between how we treat physical symptoms versus psychological symptoms, is just, it's sort of mind boggling to me. And I think it keeps people out of care. I think it hurts people. I'm just sort of imagining your work. So when you're doing this holistic, are you integrating the traditional therapies with the body-based therapies? Are those two separate practices? Because I'm wondering if somebody walks through your traditional therapy door, do you start differently with them than if they walk through your, you know, holistic healing and body-based healing door? It used to be like that, actually. It used to be a little bit separate when I was first learning how to kind of integrate this. Um, so I was... I don't think I mentioned this, but I, I'm also a yoga therapist. And so I was separating psychotherapy with yoga therapy. And um, now it's very much more integrative. So depending on exactly what you're coming in with, most often now I see people with chronic symptoms um, or eating disorders. I specialize in both. And so, yeah, sometimes it'll, it'll, sometimes it looks like very traditional psychotherapy where we're processing because we do need to understand, right? Like what's happened to you and how that's come about and what's, what trauma is there. And then other times it'll look like leading you through some sort of practice. And then I have everything recorded online. I have lots of videos and, and practices. So I usually, I give them access to all of that so that they can do this outside the session. Cause it's honestly, Sometimes that's even more important than just, you know, the actual session that we're having. 
No, that's amazing. Yeah, the follow-up, right? We've all been there with a perfect plan every Monday during your session. You don't do it Tuesday through through Sunday. You come back in the next Monday <laughs> and you go, nothing, nothing's changed. This isn't working, you know? Um, that's interesting. So as not a non sequitur, I mean, you kind of brought it up. So eating disorders in this too. So when I think about chronic pain and managing that, I think about anxiety, I can kind of see the connection in your mind, where do, where do, how do eating disorders connect in this spectrum or how do they function or how do you treat those similarly or differently than those other issues? Are there more similarities or differences? Both. I've in the most recent year or two, I've really dived into recognizing, oh, they fit together so easily and it's not talked about or known enough. So when I was going through pain reprocessing therapy, we talked about some of the personality characteristics that are significant of people with chronic pain, chronic illness. And a lot of them are things like anxiety, high conscientiousness, perfectionism, rigidity, um, self-critical nature. And my mind went, oh my clicked like that's an eating disorder too right same type of people have eating disorders as kind of chronic illness chronic pain and once I like connected the dots I see it so much more clearly obviously in myself and then and a lot of clients and people that I see now so um what I mean by that is that with eating disorders there's a high focus on trying to change your body to help you feel better about yourself right in a very simplistic form and um the nervous system gets stuck and just i mean it can get so stuck to where you feel so you're fighting your body constantly you are just constantly fighting it because it's not cooperating with you it's not doing what you want to do right you're trying to manipulate it and with chronic illness, chronic pain, you're fighting it also. You're totally in fight with your body because it's not doing what you want it to do. Now, yeah, it looks a little bit different. Um, but really what the similarities are are how the person approaches life and their symptoms and their experiences. So both sides will approach any difficulty, trauma, whatever in life with tight control. They're going to either go really internal because they're isolated Um or they're going to try and really control something with high anxiety. There's also an element of people being high people pleasers. Um, a lot of people with chronic pain and chronic illness. Gabor Mate talks about this. Um, he's a, a doctor and he talks about how many, many people he sees are all very high like people pleaser caregivers, like giving so much more than they get to themselves. So they're just ignoring themselves. So all of these characteristics are very significant of chronic illness and eating disorders. And so it's really more just understanding the person and their symptoms are just a result of what's going on internally. Yeah, I'm glad you said that at the end because hearing you describe it, it makes me feel like eating disorders and the chronic pain aren't the problem, but that they are the symptom of the baseline or root cause problem, which you know, we may stop at hypersensitivity or maybe we even go to like a, a DNA molecular level in terms of like how you were made sets you up with a predisposition for, uh, I don't, I don't want to say discomfort because it feels fear-based. It feels, it feels like you've got to get out in front of the problem before the problem comes to you or really bad things are going to happen. You know what I mean? And so I take it as like if you were a building, like you just have security cameras and fences and security guards and alarm and trip wires and, you know, lights, you know. So if any of those get tripped, 
the building goes on alert, danger, 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 right? So we, we in this field, it's crazy. We look at the, the trip wire and we go, well, there's your problem. So our solution in that sense would be turn off the alarm, not create a sense of safety within the building where you don't need the, the excessive alarms in the first place. So, exactly. yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I'm so glad that you you painted that picture. That's exactly it. I I think about that often, but I forget to really paint that picture and conceptualize it for people. Um, because to me, it's just, yeah, it's what's underneath the surface. And these symptoms are how you manage it. The chronic pain, your body's trying to manage it with having pain. With the eating disorder, you're trying to manage it by changing your body and your lifestyle or whatever it looks like for you. Um, those are just the symptoms. It's not the problem. It's not the core issue. If you could, and you can speak to your clients if you're less comfortable or you can speak from yourself and your personal experience, but if you could change one thing about you internally or one thing about these clients internally that would help them the most, what would you, what would you give yourself? What would you give them or what would you change? That's a great question. One thing. Hmm. <laughs> Look at you, you high achiever. You're already making a list. <laughs> oh, that's so true. And yes, many of them are, many of us are high achievers. Because I'm just speaking about root causes, right? I'm just thinking like, you know, if I, I don't know, I don't want to answer for you, but if it's like, you know, if I just could always feel safe, I wouldn't need the rest of this. Or if I could always feel confident or I don't know, something in that ballpark, I would guess. I would say safe and enough. Like you are enough just as you are. You don't have to change yourself. You don't have to be different. Um, you are enough. That's um, That leads into when you don't feel enough, that's where perfectionism comes about, right? When you don't feel enough, that's where anxiety can happen and um, high achievement, right? If you don't feel enough, you're always going to look for more and more and more to do to feel satisfied. And I hear that one a lot across lots of disorders, that concept of, being enough again for you personally or your clients where does that message that we're not enough come from do you think that we're just born worrying about that or is that outside in you know are we sent that message or do we come with it you know my frame of work and thought process is more that it's um we don't come with it it's definitely sent i have a spiritual side to my work as well and i truly believe like our soul or we are enough just as we are coming into this but yeah experiences shape that for sure whether that is explicit or not whether someone's literally sitting there saying like you're not enough you're a horrible person which that definitely happens um but even if that's not happened to you it's you receive messages throughout society all day long right of just not measuring up to what you need to be to to meet the expectations of whether that's anxiety uh, uh, society or your family unit or your partner that you've had or, you know, friendships or anything. I mean, there's messages, whether explicit or implicit that we get all the time that can shape that. And what's unfortunate, I think is like, we're going to fail. Like you're going to hear no, you're going to hear, you know, more and that kind of stuff. And so I think if you're wired to look for it, like maybe you get whatever, you've got the message, like I'm not enough, I'm not enough. And then a boyfriend or a girlfriend breaks up with you or you get a low grade on a paper or you lose a job, you get to this place where you get to go, I knew it. I knew it. It reinforces that original idea. No matter how imaginary or abstract that original idea was, you now have a piece of evidence that you can point to. And that only strengthens that original impulse. Um, so it's a bit of a trap. 
bit of a trap that way. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be absurd talking to your spiritual side if at the end of this day, at, we arrive at the end of our life and it was just about getting back to the beginning of our life when we were, we were enough, when we were just fine, you know what I mean? And then we add all this human stuff and we create, uh, like we create all this baggage and these challenges for ourselves that we didn't need to. And then maybe a well-lived life is at the end, you drop it and you're just kind of back to day one mind where it's like, I'm fine and I'm enough. How hilarious would that be to have to do that in 90 years? <laughs> and the whole point is, is that you finish at the start, you know, and you started at the finish. So um, anyway, um, so I do have a question. So for folks that are out there, so it's holistic psychotherapy, you know, it's, it's a new concept. I know when people say like, I need help, you know, when, when should they be thinking or what are the symptoms that are present when you would recommend to them? Hey, maybe start thinking about a holistic approach here, not just a traditional approach. Like what are the things that should signal to them that they should find somebody like you? It's a good question. My initial instinct, you just sort of want to say there isn't a point you can do it at any point, right? That can be your approach if you just want it to be your approach. And I'll say this is that I hope we end up getting there. And I hope that it actually ends up being that it doesn't have to be traditional versus holistic. It's more just we understand that health encompasses all. It's not just the mind. It's not just the body, right? We're not separate. We are whole. We are mind body. And so how could we not approach it from both? And that just be the traditional, if you will, sense. But right now, um, usually, I mean, if you've kind of gone down maybe that just traditional route and it's not really cutting it for you and like maybe you're seeing some progress, that's usually where I see people come in is, um, you know, they've kind of been down that route, but all of a sudden a little more mind body connection has piqued their interest. Maybe they started going to yoga or maybe they listened to a podcast on something or they recognized, Oh, my good example is just my anxious thoughts don't just originate in my mind. I also feel it in my body. So if you recognize that at all, where you have, you know, a tightness in your chest when you have anxiety or X, Y, and Z, whatever, whatever that may be, if you can recognize that there's a component in your mind and the component in your body that's when this work is going to be helpful for you. As a practitioner, sell, sell me on yoga. I read it and I, I think it sounds great. <laughs> I've tried it. I have an impossible time making it like a daily habit. Like what pitch yoga to me here. Like how do I, how do I fall in love with that? Cause I think there's a lot of benefit to that practice, but it seems to be one of the hardest things for me to incorporate in my day-to-day -day life. There is not a wrong way to do it. And we often think of yoga as just the physical practice. It is not at all. Like, genuinely, my practice of yoga doesn't really look physical much anymore. It is truly more of like meditation and breath work. Think of, think of yoga as just a very deep mindfulness practice. Probably worked with mindfulness before. And yoga just kind of takes that and puts it into different forms, right? So like, um, for instance, in yoga, there are, without going too deep into it, there are eight limbs, if you will, eight teachings, eight levels. I don't like the word level, but eight limbs to yoga. And the physical piece is not even, is only the third one. Like you're not even supposed to start physical practice until you get to the third phase, if you will. The first two are about taking care of your body, taking care of your mind, using your breath, using your, using the meditation. So it's really more about just becoming more aware of yourself, your internal awareness to help inform how you want to feel and think and live. So, so much about yoga is just really awareness. So on a day-to-day -day basis, how are you being mindful? How are you incorporating mind-body tools into your day-to-day? -day? Maybe that looks like pulling up your app on your phone and doing a five to 10 minute meditation, whether that means something guided, whether that means breath work, 
whatever that might be. Physical practice is fantastic, but it's not for everyone. And there's always so many different kinds of ways to practice yoga. I do have to vouch. I have a call map. So, you know, I just got to use that a little bit more. And um, it's so funny. Our, our company partnered with them when we do that. But it's just, I, I just read all the effects of it. And I read the before and after. And I'm like, man, I really want what they have on the after. You know what I mean? But <laughs> yeah. I just... To put, <laughs> to put it in practice has been difficult for me. So, um, and I know why you don't like levels because as soon as you get a level, you can't feel happy unless you get to eight. And so now it ruins level one through seven for you, right? Because you got to work your way up your list. So just a little bit of self-diagnosis there since I've known you for 45 yeah. minutes now. <laughs> um, well, and I don't want the right or wrong. I, I call myself a, um, a perfectionist. You know, I, I get away from the right or wrong. There's no right or wrong. There's no just like, this is better than that. We got to find a balance and levels create that hierarchy. Grace, after hearing all of this, I mean, one thing that the kids said a lot about therapy and the therapeutic process is that we can't promise that it'll be easy, but we can promise that it'll be worth it. Right. And so I'm really interested in your perspective on that, having gone through a lot of this personally and not even being healed, right? Like it's always a work in progress. We're still going, there is no finish line, but to maybe take a moment and just sort of reflect like, what is life like for you now as compared to before you went through this journey and sort of in what ways has this been, been worth going through all this for you? A deeper sense of not only just knowing myself, but knowing that I can be okay. I will handle whatever comes up in life and be able to work through it. Whether that means with the skills that I have or the support systems I've set up for me, I think that's one of the most powerful things, especially if you've dealt with, any kind of like chronic things that weren't, didn't have answers before or mental, emotional, any kind of issues that didn't really have answers for a while. And you felt so hopeless and out of control that now I have a sense and I truly have a knowing that I'll be able to work through and transition through whatever life throws at me essentially. Um, and I'll be okay doing it, even if it's hard because life gets hard sometimes, but I'll be able to get through that because of just the the foundation of um, practices and just the foundation of knowing myself and knowing how to work through mental, emotional, physical, whatever that may be. For people that are on the, the front end of that journey, is there anything you would do differently? I mean, I know that there's that, that vibe of like, I am who I am today because of the things I went through, but are there, are there any tips or shortcuts that you would have given yourself at the start of this journey as you kind of set out or maybe things that people can learn from your process? Even if a, a certain approach might seem a little out there or a little scary or, you know, hard to work around, see if you see how much you can just kind of like open your mind and let down your guard. I know that's really hard sometimes when you've been hurt. Um, but when you can let that down and you can really dive deep into yourself and just what's going on, so much healing can take place from that. Because what I often see sometimes with people and, and probably from myself in the beginning is thinking they're kind of itching their way into it or learning a little bit about it, but they're still, you know, putting it far distance. And it really does take work. It takes kind of diving in to doing some of this to really actually see results and help yourself. Yeah, I think there's a I think there's certainly a measure of courage. You know, that's something that's changed the most for me when, you know, when I grew up you know, in the Midwest, tough guy sports, suck it up, fight your way through, you know, just handle it. You've got a little bit of that yourself where it's like, I can take this on, you know, and it's sort of like, no, the, the ultimate strength is that, and the ultimate courage is actually reaching out and saying, I need some help here. And then 
doubling down on that courage and actually giving an honest, unfiltered effort at the help, right? Like giving the, cause you're only, only going to get out of it what you put in, right? So, so give us the real stuff because you're not in there to try to impress your therapist. Like they've, they've seen it all, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Well, listen, Grace, I, I appreciate this time so much. How do, how do people find you? How do people learn more about, uh, you know, holistic psychotherapy? Like where, where would you point people to, to learn more about this or to connect with you? So the main place I hang out, honestly, is Instagram, uh, heal with grace. And then I have my website that's more focused on my private practice, which is elevate therapy and wellness. Um, so I see clients professionally, individually. I also now have a therapist underneath me that sees clients in similar capacity. And then I also have my group program for chronic pain, chronic illness, and nervous system healing. Um, So you can find all of that on my page, on my Instagram page and my website, either one. Um, but that's what I got going on. What What about just baseline knowledge about holistic psychotherapy or some of your approaches? Is there any learning that you would point them towards? Mm, that's a good question. Um, on my website, I do have a resources page uh, that highlights different books, podcasts, um, teachings, things like that, that I've put out there in different realms. I have them categorized sometimes in chronic pain, eating disorders, just kind of like generalized mind-body healing. I usually call it a little more like mind-body health. Um, so there's some resources on there trying to think of just, you know, in terms of more of the chronic mind, body healing, chronic pain, chronic illness, two people come to mind. One is Alan Gordon. He's an LCSW, but he, um, has written the book, um, the way out. And he also has a whole program. He's one of the teachers in pain reprocessing therapy that work. Once you get into the that realm, it'll teach you all you, you know, all the information. And then also Gabor Mate, which I referenced earlier, um, he has a couple awesome books and honestly, he has videos floating around there of just, he knows how to talk about this stuff in a really awesome way. Instagram has found him. TikTok has found him. Like he's, exactly. yeah, he's, he's easy to reach. That's for sure. So, um, and then like last question, just for people directing your way, what States are you working in right now or licensed in? Yeah. For individual therapy, I'm in Texas and Utah, um, but for my group program, it's more on the coaching side. And so that can be anyone anywhere. All right. So Texas, Utah, for sure. But I mean, there's really no limits to it. It sounds like either way, because if it's therapy or coaching, it's kind of a diagnostic aspect or whatever, but, but definitely reach out to Grace. Um, yeah, I, I want to, I do appreciate, I mean, listen, the individual stuff that you shared, I mean, it's great. Like one thing I found doing this show is that the textbooks are great. The expertise is great. But that personal touch, that personal experience, you know, I went through and here's where I am now is so powerful to people. And and that's what they really respond to. So I want to commend you and thank you for, you know, not only sharing your expertise, but that personal touch as well. Um, I I sincerely believe it's going to reach people and help people for having done that. So I appreciate you taking that chance. So you're welcome. I will say one thing on that actually is that it might sound really hard to get to a place where you can actually talk about it. I've all, I felt that in each part of my journey felt shame that I had X, Y, and Z, but there's so much power in owning it and owning that that's what you're going through, even how freaking hard it can be owning that that's what's happening and then doing that work to work through it. So even earlier in your story, when you talked about holding back until you'd kind of earned the right to speak or trying to take it all on yourself. And here you are now talking to however many strangers, just putting that stuff out there. I just think it's amazing, uh, the transformation. And, and what I've also learned is that the more personal it is, the more universal it is, right? And so you never know who you're going to help by sharing that personal experience. I mean, there's somebody listening to this right now going, yeah, I, I feel exactly like she felt. And, that person's going to read a book or they're going to click on your website. And then here we go. 
right? A healing journey begins. So yeah. So thank you. Thank you for that for sure. So thank you for having me. Definitely. Definitely. And Leo, thank you as well. We have producer Leo, you guys can tell because it was a really smooth show. So producer Leo, he's great at the steering wheel. And I always give a shout out to our sponsors at the end a new behavioral health. Uh, you can find them at anewbh.com. Um, you can also find them directly help now at anewbh.com. Um, if you're in Texas or you're, you're in Utah, reach out to Grace. Grace has got you. Uh, but if you're in Ohio, uh, you're in New Hampshire, give a new a shot. Um, you know, psychiatrists, psychotherapists, uh, you know, therapists, case managers, nurses, they work on the substance abuse side, they work on the mental health side. And like Grace with this holistic approach, Anu has an integrated approach, which means they offer a variety of services that are tailored to your specific needs. Uh, so you don't ever have to feel pressure of doing services that are not helpful to you. There's not a program that you have to fit in. We're not going to like make your situation fit ours. Uh, you have options that are there for you to select and put together the program that works best for you. So I think that fits nicely with the, the theme of holistic psychotherapy. And, and so we'll close there. So final round of thanks. Thank you, Leo. Thank you, Grace. I appreciate having you so much. Uh, and for you, if you guys watching and listening, thank you for your time. It's your most valuable asset. You, you spent a little bit of it on us. Uh, so I hope you got a little bit of wisdom in return. Until next time, uh, please take care of yourself and absolutely take care of each other. I'll see you then. Hey, guys. Although Through Help and Back is an excellent podcast with a lot of great ideas, I do want to let you know that in no way is Through Help and Back expected to be perceived as or relied upon in any way as specific medical advice or mental health advice for you personally. The information provided through through Help and Back on our website or our podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment that can be provided by your own providers. Do not use our content in lieu of professional advice given by qualified medical professionals and do not disregard professional medical advice or delay seeking professional advice because of the information you have read on our website, heard on our podcast, or otherwise received from us. Although we love discussing issues related to healthcare, mental health, and addiction, we are not providing direct healthcare, mental health care, medical, or nutrition therapy services. We're not attempting to diagnose, treat, prevent, or cure in any manner whatsoever any physical or psychological ailment, any mental or emotional issue, disease, or condition. We are not giving you specific medical, psychological, or religious advice whatsoever. Please take care of yourself and take care of others as you always seek the advice of your own medical providers and your own mental health providers regarding any questions or concerns you have about your specific health or before implementing any recommendations or suggestions from us. These are ideas that have worked for other people. We think it's important to share them. We do not guarantee that they will work for you specifically. Do not stop taking any medications without speaking to your physician nurse practitioner, physician assistant, mental health provider, or any other healthcare or medical professional. And if you have or suspect that you have a medical or mental health issue, contact your own healthcare provider promptly. Also, one last thing, if you know or suspect that you are currently experiencing a crisis, it is absolutely imperative that you seek the advice of your doctor or other emergency healthcare services prior to ever thinking about using our content. We love the conversations. We're glad you're stopping by. We hope you take a lot from the content. But again, for your specific individual medical situation, please always seek quality personal care from your own providers. Do not let this uh, information or this advice stand on its own. Thanks so much for listening.